You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals that we have right here in the United States. This is episode 136 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. My co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg, who you'll be hearing from in our guest conversation portion shortly. We're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and we are kinky perverts too. You know what else we're doing this week? We're celebrating because it's my birthday. Actually, though, by the time you hear this, it will be a day late. Sunday, August 2nd, I turned 49 years old. Almost a big 5 This is my last year of the four. I don't know what's going to happen, but it keeps getting better. But I'm reaching like golden girl's age. Thank you for being a friend. Anyway, uh, you know, even though you missed it by a day, I will still happily take belated happy birthday wishes or, you know, Amazon wish list gifts, you know, just saying, just saying. Um, that's in the show notes, by the way. <laughs> but shout out to all the Leos out there. It's our season. I know it's hard because we have to have social distance birthdays, but you know, I'm going to make the best of it. I am going to order in some like down home barbecue chicken wings and ribs and dip into the pool in the backyard and just do nothing. Anyway, this week's guests are Luna Matadas and Marla Renee Stewart. They join us for a discussion about race and kink. Now, Luna Matata, she's been a guest on this podcast before. Uh, the episode was Everything Wet. It was good. Link will be in the show notes. Luna is a sex and pleasure educator with over 10 years experience in sexual health and wellness. She has a playful approach to sexuality and teaches people how to build a better relationship to their bodies, practice empathy with their partner's insecurities and needs, and how to get curious about their erotic imagination. Luna is also the creator of Peg the Patriarchy, Meditate, Medicate, Masturbate, and Fuck Like a Goddess Brands. Marla Renee Stewart is a sexologist and sex coach who runs her own sex ed company called Velvet Lips. And Marla is also a co-founder of the Sex Down South Conference. And if you're a regular listener, you know, periodically we talk about how amazing Sex Down South is. So check it out. Marla's also been featured on a variety of media outlets, including Netflix's Trigger Warning with Killer Mike and Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. She just co-wrote her first book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay with Dr. Jess O'Reilly, which debuted in April of 2020. So if you haven't noticed, the majority of kink spaces around the U.S. are very, very, very white. And this can make things challenging or even downright intolerable to people of color. We cater this conversation specifically to the experience of Black folks in the kink scene, and we talk about why it's important for everyone in kink to have an awareness of how race and BDSM actually intersect. After listening to this conversation, you're going to learn how racism shows up in structural, cultural, and interpersonal contexts. You know, and also, why isn't the BDSM community thinking about current events? And why are they saying, well, those have no place in kink? Why should we talk about them? But at the same time, those are the same people that should be thinking a bit more critically about how the power exchange relationships they engage in and the punishment techniques they use mimic oppressive power dynamics. We also talk about how language is evolving and if and when the terms master and slave are appropriate. And also we talk about if and when engaging in race play is appropriate. You'll also learn some of the things that allies and accomplices can do to make the BDSM community more inclusive. This is a great conversation. Please, please listen to it. Take notes. 
And this conversation we actually recorded a couple of weeks back as part of our weekly live stream series on Get Vocal. We thought it was such an important discussion that we wanted to air it here too, to make sure it had a bigger audience. Because I've noticed those of you who listen to the podcast on Mondays and those of you who, who do our Get Vocal live streams are often two very different groups of people. So wanted to cross-pollinate this. You may notice when you listen that the audio sounds slightly different, and that's just because we recorded it on a different medium. So at times, it kind of sounds like a Skype call, but I would say overall, it's pretty damn good. You also may hear us thanking folks randomly here and there. What that is, is that happens when our viewers give us tips on that platform. Also throughout the conversation, we answer viewer questions in real time that come through the text chat as part of our live stream. And also some folks even join the audio in real time to ask questions of Marla and Luna. If you haven't tuned in to our weekly free Get Vocal live streams, you absolutely should. They happen every single Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific. That's 11 p.m. for you Eastern folks. And they feature different content than you hear dropping on your favorite podcast player every Monday. Each week, there's a new topic and or a new guest. Last week, we told you all about pleasing the pussy, tips to level up your cunnilingus and hand sex game. Past topics have been age play, G-spot and squirting, prostate massage, electric play, erotic humiliation, and a bunch more. Head on over to bit.ly slash sunny get vocal spelled S-U-N-N-Y G-E-T-V-O-K-L to watch and subscribe every single week. And speaking of free things, have you joined our free sex positive discord community yet? Do it. It's at bit.ly discord ASP. We talk about sex, BDSM, mental health, off topic stuff like recipes and funny memes and gaming and music. Oh, and there's also a dirty area so you can get your play on. It's a really friendly and active community and we'd love for you to join us. Again, that's free F-R-E-E. If you didn't catch the link, it'll be in the show notes at americansexpodcast.com for episode 136. Oh, wait. Oh, you hear that? You hear that song? It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. Our Patreon family, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Is it on Patreon Viagra? I don't know. I want to give a big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to CT, Jackie, and sub CC777 for becoming American Sex Podcast Patreon members this last week week. You can become an American Sex Patreon member too at patreon.com slash American Sex, and you're going to get stuff too. You know, bonus stories from our guests, extra full-length episodes, all of our episodes early, American Sex podcast stickers sent to you in the mail, a shout out on the podcast, lots of other random surprises, like a whole bunch more. Ken and I, we give almost all of our content, a fraction of which is this podcast, away to the world, absolutely free, because we believe these conversations are critical, they're important, they're relationship improving, they're life changing, and every single person should have access to them. And we don't want cost to be a barrier for people who need to be a part of these conversations, hence why we give all this stuff away for free. But at the same time, hey, capitalism, it sucks. You know, we have rent, bills, kids are expensive, etc., we need to make a living somehow, and especially now because COVID has taken away the income that we made from doing live events. So in the spirit of PBS or NPR or any other public media, those few that can support us financially allow our content to remain free for everyone. So if you can be one of those people, oh, we'd love you for it. Again, that address is patreon.com slash American sex. All right, American fuckers, that is enough housekeeping, isn't it? As we call it here, ball washing. And I know, you know, washing the balls feels kind of good, but you really want to get onto the other stuff, don't you? Here is Luna Matadas and Marla Renee Stewart. We've got Luna Matadas and Marla Stewart. And you have a hyphenated name now. What's your what's the rest of your name, Marla? Oh, my, uh, my married name is <laughs> Anais. So, but I, I've just been going by Marla Renee Stewart because, okay. you know, 
That's just the easy, that's what everybody knows me by. So branding. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am so happy that you're both here. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have y'all describe yourselves and, and let the audience know who you are because you know yourselves way better than I do, even though I, I know you guys pretty well. Um, so, and if you can also let us know your pronouns too, when you introduce yourself, that'd be great. Uh, Luna, you're on top on my screen. Uh, and that's not like a kink. I mean, maybe it is like, it totally is. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, um, Luna, you're the top. So you go first. <laughs> uh, hello everyone and thank you for having us so i'm luna matadas and i teach sex and pleasure education um i'm based in toronto canada but i mean due to the state of the world right now i get to teach online all over the place which is fabulous uh and i teach everything from you know butt stuff to cock and ball torture to femdoming and uh, really the the theme that kind of links all the stuff that I teach together is owning it and and helping us navigate the things that get in the way of owning it. Um, so I've been teaching sex ed for years, but in the last five years, I've been teaching it from a pleasure-based perspective. And so I came out of like a harm reduction, public health kind of approach where I could talk about, you know, condoms till I was blue in the face and people were still like, yeah, but how do I get him to do butt stuff? Or how do I get her to eat my pussy? And so there was such like a gap that I really wanted to, to fill this. And um, then I met Marla, and <laughs> like randomly on the street in at Toronto Pride. I was wearing a giant tutu. And she was just like, hey, hey there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so completely random in an event that brings like a million people to the city. And so we were meant to meet, obviously. Um, so I'm so excited to, to be doing this with someone that uh, we just really are like-minded in our approach to sex ed. So thank you for having us. It's so great to kick off our series by talking about this with you. I'm yes, so, so excited. Marla, tell us who you are so we can start talking about the things. <laughs> yes, yes. So, hey, everybody. I'm Marla. I am a sexologist, sex coach, educator, author, speaker. And uh, similar to Luna, I do a lot of sexuality workshops. So we, we run similar workshops. And um, we uh, we totally met at Toronto. I was drawn to the rainbow tutu. And I was like, I don't know who you are, but I have to know you. And um, luckily she wasn't creeped out because I am a bit of a creeper. Um, so <laughs> so <laughs> I was really happy about that. Uh, so super receptive. And um, then I went to see her strap on workshop, like I think the next day or something. And so, um, but yeah, we've just been connected and we just have a really good time um, it, you know, when we're not in each other's spaces in person, we have a really good time online. So we have a really good, uh, video, I guess, virtual connection. Um, but Luna is, you know, stole my heart. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to talk about this race and king stuff. Cause we were just, yap. This came out of us. Yap, yap, yapping away, uh, as we normally do when we get together and talk. So we were like, and as business minded people were like, duh, 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 wait, duh, uh, I know this person. And, uh, uh. so it was just like, everything clicked and came together and, you know, collaboration is just what I'm all about. So I'm super, super excited to be doing this with Luna. Oh, yay. Oh, I'm so excited. And as Ken said, this was actually a requested topic. Um, and we had been talking about, we're like, you know, hmm, who can we talk to and who can we have? And like later that day, I saw your announcement for this discussion series. And I was like, this is meant to be. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, manifested yes. us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's amazing. So, race oh, and kink. Thank you, Jamaica. Thank you, Jamaica. We love you. Wow. Um, so, race and kink. Those who are um, people of color, you know, whether you're uh, BIPOC or just a person of color, you probably realize that race matters in kink. Um, but there are a lot of folks who 
are white or white presenting. It's just, you know, kink spaces, at least the ones that I frequent, and I know regionally throughout North America, different cities are different, have different scenes and, and whatnot. But generally what I've experienced and what you've experienced too, for the most part, uh, kink spaces are very white spaces. Um, that's very much the default. So let's start there. Why is it so important that everybody talk about the intersections of race and kink? Mm-hmm. Do you do you want to start or you go for it? Okay. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, for me personally. I think it's always important to talk about intersections, right? And so I think with the intersections of identities, these are the things that come up. You know, as our privileges come up, as different oppressive um, identities come up in whatever situations that we're in, and I think when I um, as a kinky person myself, being involved in kink since I was, I think, 19 or 20, you know, and, you know, 20 years later, still sort of experiencing the same kind of things. It's you have to wonder, like, what's going on here? And even in my um, my master's thesis, I actually there were uh, like maybe three or four studies that actually had. um people of color in their study that involved kink. Now it wasn't about people of color. It was like, it was just like, oh, we just happened to see this black person at this kinky party and we interviewed them or whatever. And so even during, you know, with my master's thesis, it was just like, wow, there is just not enough. So I'm, I focused all on folks of color, black folks, actually, in particular, I wanted to do all folks of color, but black folks, you know, being in Atlanta is full of black folks. So, um, and just seeing how all of these intersections, right, like um, queer identities, um, how, uh, you know, queer folks, how swingers, bisexual folks, how like all these different people were coming together in a space and just being like, I'm one of few people and how sort of it made them feel to be in those spaces. And, you know, we hear the same thing sort of over and over and over again. And for me, I think in particular, thinking about Atlanta is just such a different place. So coming from San Francisco, where it was definitely white, right? And being in kinky spaces, I was like, okay, I'm like one of few black people here to going to Atlanta and being like, this is an all black play party, like, you know, different. It's huge. But when we think about race and kink, and we think about sort of even dungeon space, who owns the dungeons, you know, and generally you attract people of the same ilk, right? So uh, those people who own the dungeons are going to attract people like them. And so, um, and, and so, you know, there's like a, a bunch of like, <laughs> when we're like intellectualizing this or thinking about this, I think of like so many different facets, which, which is why we were like, we got to do this like a biweekly series because there's so many there's so many things to talk about within Raising King. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Lona? Yeah, I think definitely like very similar to Marla in that when I first got into kink, all the spaces were super white. And so I was like, wait, is this thing not for me? And is it just for like kinky, weird white people? And, you know, how come I'm not in here? And and I started to internalize that and just think that, well, you know, I just need to accept, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe black people are not kinky, maybe brown people are not kinky. And I, I think there was so much of, of that internalization just so that I could get into these spaces and try to fit in. And so there was a lot of editing and taming of the stuff that I think was coming up for me. And when all the protests started happening, you know, a few weeks ago, I logged into FetLife and I was so disgusted at how little dialogue there was about this thing that was covering all other forms of social media and how a lot of kinksters were also really irritated when people were bringing it up and saying well this is the only place where we can be sexual and free and you know we're not single issue people and and so we have an accountability to uh, participate in whatever space that we're in and dismantling stuff so I think like Marla said it shows up in a structural way in kink from like who owns stuff who's considered a leader who's 
who's considered a gatekeeper. Um, it shows up in cultural ways from events to munches to, you know, retailers and, you know, who you go on any like fetish retail site in including a lot of the ones that are really popular and it's all white submissive, thin young women. And so it looks like, oh, there's nothing for me there. And then on an interpersonal level, I think the first thing that comes into people's mind is race play, but we've got racism, we've got race play, we've got interpersonal stuff, we've got, you know, fetishization, we've got power and voice. So there's so many, there's enough for our biweekly series for sure, but there's so many ways that it, it can show up. Yeah. I have a very difficult question for the both of you. May I ask a difficult question? Yes. Yes. Um, recently, there's, uh, if you would have asked me this, or if I would have thought about this question I'm about to ask you a year ago, my answer would be very different than it is right now. Do people that choose law enforcement as a line of work have a place in dungeons? Ooh, Ooh so that is fascinating, especially because we actually had a submission at Sex Down South where a past law enforcement officer wanted to uh, do a presentation about um, how to navigate sex work in kink space and dungeons. And so um, that, I was looking forward to that presentation (laughs) because that is fascinating in and of itself, right? Like uh, thinking about power dynamics and whatnot. Um, And, you know, I don't know. Uh, that's an interesting, interesting question. <laughs> I said it was difficult. Like, yeah, there's not. I don't, <laughs> like, as a former dungeon owner, I have had more problems with police officers. Like kinky police. No, 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 no. Like we would have a party, and there would be a situation where maybe a neighbor would call because of too much noise. And the cops would come in, start grabbing dildos off the wall, start like threatening people. And a lot of these people were high-powered attorneys and whatnot. Uh, and on the converse side, the only person that ran an all-black BDSM group in Chicago was a Chicago lieutenant. So she was a female black officer, and she ran the group. And, I, and so now I go back to those thoughts, like the white cops that were such fucking pricks, all cops are bastards. I don't know what to think about this right now. And that's why I needed, like, and I'm not asking you guys to be ambassadors of like anything, but it's a good thought provoking question. Luna, what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm very confused about this difficult question <laughs> because. <Yeah. laughs> okay, podcast over. Thanks, guys. <laughs> for this conversation. There's. <laughs> Um, I think <laughs> I think it is challenging because when you bring in the dynamic of like is is this person in so the the black cop running the the kinky event versus like the white cop like coming in then it also changes I think about it and I I have a really tough time um, telling folks who like hold that identity from a, a marginalized perspective like what to do um, and what to do with with their king but more like navigating emotional safety that might be coming up for them too. And like the contradictions that, that are coming up for them. So in short, I don't know. <laughs> and I think you can't just be, have it a singular issue. Like you said, no, there's like yeah. different, you know, cops and different bodies experience different things. So like all of these intersections of identities, I think play a role in that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's a question online. Have you ever had problems in your dungeon with kinky officers? Never with people that were in the community. It was only people that were outside of BDSM, just Dr. Lecter, just to answer your question. We also have fans, maybe even some people here that are police officers. Um, so that's something that I have a hard time with what I should and should not say because I have so much anger towards them right now. Mm, yeah. And I think it's interesting. I know a lot of kinky officers and, yeah. you know, uh, it is what it is, you know, like, yeah. and I, I don't, you know, the way that you have your, you know, you, you conduct your personal life and the way that you conduct sort of your public or your job and what somebody, your boss is telling you what you need to do, I think can really, um, it can really affect, you know, maybe your, 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 your personal professional life or even the tension that that's drawing in yourself. I imagine that would be very difficult. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, especially yeah, right I'm now. I'm going to be crunching on this for a while. Like, sorry it's guys. A pen. It's a pen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So whew, I'm going to put that one over here for a minute. Um, so for, I'm going to talk specifically for black people who are navigating kinky spaces. What are some of the common things? Like, let's say, you know, example, you go into that party. You're like, okay, but okay, I'm going to make the best of it. And then someone comes up to you and like says or does that thing where you're like, fuck. What are some of those things? I know for me personally, you are the most beautiful black person, black woman. And it was just, it's sort of like, thank you. Like, are you saying I'm a beautiful black woman because I'm the, because you haven't seen other beautiful black women or is like my blackness sort of like, are you fetishizing it? Are you like, what is it that made you sort of, you know, like black people don't go up to other black people and go, you are the most beautiful black person I've ever seen or whatever. Right. So it's kind of like you, you kind of take that in, like what is going on with you that, you know, and I definitely don't go up to white people and go be like, you are the most beautiful white person like I've seen or whatever. So yeah, it's one of those things that I'm trying to like, I try to like, what is, what is going on with you? I think that's one. So pointing that out and then um, uh, being the only person of color in the space or the only black person uh, in the space. And uh, when I was younger, my body I was reading one of my blogs earlier and I was just, my body used to just, it's, it was seemed like people felt entitled to my body and that was difficult. So people would grab me or slap my butt or, you know, uh, invade my personal space because they felt like they could, you know? And when I was younger, I didn't have the voice, um, that I do now. And, uh, you know, as, as, as sex positive as I grew up, as much as I grew up, I, I just didn't have the voice or to really say like, Hey, don't do this or don't do that. Or why do you feel entitled to touch my body in that way? Um, and I think a lot of that just has to do with our history and how we've, how folks have felt entitled towards black women's bodies and what they can do with their bodies. So there's that, um, there's definitely, I get a lot of the, uh, you know, the old white men love me and I get a lot of, let me worship you goddess. Let me, you know, I want to be your white slave. I want to, you know, and immediately for me, it's like, what is in it for you? I guess that's the, my first thought. What is in it for you? And then, um, uh, and then I feel like, okay, <laughs> Give me all your money in your bank account. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know? Let's see how I feel later. <laughs> depending, on, depending on how I'm feeling about this situation. But, um, you know, I, I there's just a lot of... You, you, sometimes you just don't know what people's intentions are, whether they're really real or whether it's, whether it's racial or, feti- you know, fetishizing. So... I think that's one of the most difficult things. And I think, and I think too, when you're thinking about how some black people who are in kinky environments that only go into white kinky environments, right? Like don't, who don't like um, want to explore black kinky environments or black kink folks in their communities, you know, it's, it's almost like people that get judged for that too. So it's sort of like there's all these different racial dynamics that go on. And um, but yeah, as far as like the most common, I would just say part of just the the fetishization and um, and uh, the the goddess worshiping stuff, I would say, is the, the most common. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Luna, or is it similar? 
Um, I was just going to add that I think like sometimes with activities for uh, like power exchange or whatever kinky thing you want to do, there's an assumption based on the the narratives that are, you know, kind of stereotypes of black people. And so you must want to experience this or you must want to do that. And so there's already an assumption of knowing just based on the part of the identity that you happen to have picked out and you visually see without any kind of discussion around like your humanity and and what do you want out of this and what are your desires? So I think there's also a lot of fetishization around attraction, desire and who gets approached and and what type of black bodies and you know what what are we assuming this particular type of black body wants to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The gaze. I'm thinking about too the gaze too. Like thinking about the white gaze and like even if you're playing in an environment and like having people watch you and like what are you like? Sometimes I think I've al- almost been taking out of a scene because I'm seeing people watching me and like what are they thinking? And so I feel uh, I feel like very fortunate that you know being in Atlanta, being you know being able to be in spaces that are majority black, and being you know at Sex Down South, being at the Dungeon where you know it's majority people of color, mm-hmm. where you're feeling like okay, that gaze isn't right. so prevalent, right? So I've been hearing a lot of white folks on the internet and and a lot of the the white folks in my feed are, are, you know, left leaning, newly woke, you know, like, and it's, it seems to be, it's like all the white folks arguing over whether we should do away with the titles master and slave. And they all, I rarely see any people of color walking in and go, you want to hear what I have to say? Um, so, <laughs> so other white people. <laughs> today I asked Sonny, "Am I racist for calling myself a dungeon master for D and D?" And I honestly didn't know. And I'm one of them. Like I'm one of the people here that like just mm-hmm. because this is the thing. Race has never been an issue for me because I'm white. When my partners look at me, I'm either a daddy, a military guy a tattooed guy, creepy a uncle dom, sometimes. creepy uncle, yeah. submissive, whatever role I'm having, but my race has literally never been an issue and it isn't one in my head. And right. so it's hard for me to even understand and empathize with what people are going to without going through every thought process in the universe to make sure I'm not being a more evil bastard than I inherently am. Yeah. Okay. So that's why yeah. I question so much. And I'm like, oh my God, like, did I do a thing? Ah! And I, I just don't know what to think. Yeah. 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 I can sit where I'm like, like I mean, Ken, logic. And he's like, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> so what, there's, what there's a lot of like, what, what are people actually thinking about? And what do you both think about those terms? Should they be shelved or are people getting like too. You know, it's interesting because at Sex Down South last year, we had two, you know, older white guys that were, um, um, you know, in the in kink communities, in their own kink communities. And, you know, for their badge, you know, they wanted me to put, you know, master whatever. So, you know, I honor that master whatever. That's your title. That's how you want to go by. And it's fascinating because, you know, the people of color would come to me and the black folks would be like, I am not calling him master, whatever. Like I am saying the name and that's it. Like, and I was like, I, I respect that. But in, you know, here's the thing at Sex Down South, we say like, you know, we promote love and we promote like having that conversation. And so if you just say like, I know your badge name says this, but I don't feel comfortable in this. And can I call you this? Like that feels better and it feels like it would be received better. And they came up to me and and were like, I I like the fact that people are like, you know, talking to, talking to us and making sure that like, we're okay. And like, and, and that we are, um, and that we are also being conscious around like how we're moving through the world and through, uh, spaces that have a majority of you know people of color and black folks so um so i thought that was you know fascinating in and of itself but the whole like master slave debate you know i don't know 
And that's probably something that we will address in this series. Right. Uh, but we, I just heard, like my wife and I were listening to the radio and we heard like how realtors were trying to get rid of the, the master. Yeah. yeah. Trying to get rid of like the master part. And I was like, huh. And so I don't know if we're, if we're coming into this shift of language, if we're really coming, like, you know, I don't know what, how people are going to move, but um, I'm I'm really fascinated um, about sort of what's what's next and and uh, yeah I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts, Luna, on the whole master slave? Yeah. So I've seen the master slave debate too, and then I've also seen stuff come up around uh, particular activities and that might have been connected to collective violence that, you know, BIPOC communities, so caning, whipping, all these different types of things that people enjoy from, in sadomasochism. Right, right. And so, um, and the I feel the debate is it's kind of flattened and, and this debate, whether or not we should use it, but I think it's more about how we should use it and really understanding what the, the context is. And so that we can be risk aware when we're doing these things. Like it doesn't really help me to know that Shibari was used for prisoners. And so maybe I shouldn't use Shibari, but it's more about like, well, what could this invoke for, for someone and what mm -hmm. could it invoke for me? I think when we're playing with master slave or any type of um, power exchange or really any type of, of kink, we might be touching people's, darkness and and we might be exposing our darkness and um those are parts of ourselves and so if we eliminate master slave um i kind of also think that it, it depends on the context so there was a in another city in in canada there was a bunch of white kingsters that organized a master slave auction and i was like that's not okay it was alberta wasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah probably probably <laughs> I just want to cancel Alberta. Yeah, by the way, if you're not familiar with Canada, that's in Texas and Canada. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. All yeah. oil. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and for me, that that had a, a bigger, um, more righteous discussion because this was in the public sphere and, and it was organized for people without, you know, the consent of the folks that it might most harm, even by getting wind of it or seeing the, um, you know, organization or seeing the event on FetLife. Um, so I think that there's a responsibility we have to understand the context within which we're doing these things, not just from a historical or political perspective, but like, what does it create when we're playing mm -hmm. with humiliation and degradation and all these types of things that expose parts of us that exist, whether or not we're talking about them? Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point. I saw um, a series of memes that's been floating that's around where it's like, it's basically you know, in a nutshell, it's telling you the personal is political, like any kind of power exchange that we're engaging in. If it's like gendered play, we're playing with those oppressive power dynamics. And when we're using different forms of corporal punishment, they relate. So it's like you know, the, the, the theme of this group of memes was like, don't think what you're doing has no context uh, you know, having to do with oppression outside of the bedroom or outside of the dungeon, it absolutely does. So this brings me to my next question, because if we, I'm, I'm hearing arguments where, okay, scenario, submissive woman, dominant man, you are playing with these power dynamics where, you know, the woman is assuming the subjugated role similar to how she's expected to be in society, but she's doing that because she's a feminist and has choices and is exploring, you know, whatever, you know, it's your own personal thing. And people accept that. It's like, yeah, cool, you know. Um, and some people use that same analogy to then go to race play. You know, and, and that's a huge and controversial issue in the kink community. You know, and, and some people are like, it, you know, granted, done responsibly with the consent of all the people. Or, you know, there's a lot of caveats. If you are using it to explore your inner demons, your fears, your oppression, you should be allowed to do that. And then other people are of the mind of like, it is never okay. I never want to hear that you did, you know. So where are we there? I mean, and again, I'm, I'm going to tell most of like the white folks listening along, what you hear here, black people are not a monolith. 
just don't be like, well, Marla said race play was okay. So <laughs> I've <I'm laughs> earlier, earlier in the stream. Earlier in the stream, I talked about forced ambassadorship. And what that is, is that's saying uh, that my one black friend told me a thing. So it must be true for everybody. Yeah. And like, no matter who tells you a thing, if they're just a single person by themselves, nobody is representative of an entire group unless you are a group of one. Yes. So with that, with that PSA, let's talk race play. And also, I'm also going to open up the extra uh, little lock square. So if someone wants to pop in and show their face, remember you will be simulcast until the recording's over. Um, you are welcome to do that. So and I have a question for you with by race play. Do we mean all races and all kinds of play? Or are you primarily talking about white people and black people? Let's keep it simple. Right now, let's talk white and black. You know, I don't care who's dominant and who's submissive. Like, but, but let's let's just keep it for simplistic sake because we got 20 minutes here. Okay. Uh, let's keep it to black white race play. All right. Thoughts. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because we cannot take race away. Race is one of the first things that we see. And so to, to sit here and say that, like, there's no context to things. I mean, I think it's very hard and it's very individualized, too. Because um, even with some black people, you know, they're they're kind of like, I'm in this kinky space and we've negotiated this kinky space and everything is good. And, you know, if I'm with a white person, this is how we're playing and this is, you know, fine. Um, like, even thinking about, I think about myself, even professionally, I always say I'm a professional top and a private bottom, right? And <laughs> And whenever I'm in a dungeon space, nobody is going to see me in a submissive role, right? People are only going to see me in a, in a power, in a dom top role. And so um, it, for me, that feels comfortable because I always feel, I feel powerful and I, I don't, you know, the race thing doesn't come into play for me. Uh -huh. And, um, but I even think about like somebody who's white, who's spanking a, a black person or, um, you know, a person of color. It's one of those things that's like, it doesn't erase race, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you still see it. And I think it's just, how do we choose to see it? Do we see it under this guise of pleasure? You know, are we letting ourselves sort of be free are we uh, are we going back to something that has been in our DNA? You know, are we? You know, uh, is this healing for us? And in, in, in what ways is it healing for us? So I feel like there's just so many dynamics. Like, but you just can't separate race out. It's going to be there. But I think just how you process it mentally is is you know the way that you're going to be able to 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 get that pleasure to get that healing to get right. whatever you need from the sexual experience yeah kinky experience i think kinky experiences are sexual experiences so yeah and it's mm -hmm. like we can't determine you know if like we're observing somebody and again you shouldn't be in a in a space where someone's doing race play without getting the consent of everyone there i mean right there 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 would be something wrong with this scenario but let's just say for you know example sake um, if I'm watching a race play scene, I don't know what's in their heads. Like, I don't know. Oh, you're doing this because it's healing and it's therapeutic. You're doing it for the right reasons. You know, are, are you doing it because the person of color requested this scene because they have their own shit they want to work out? Are you doing it because the white person strong arm themselves and to be like, I'm going to be the dominant in this scene. And it's bad. Like we can't, tell the reasons behind it so that's kind of where i get like you gotta trust people and that they know what's right for them and they're being emotionally healthy which is hard to do because a lot of people don't do that so <laughs> what are your thoughts luna like it's yeah yeah i agree i agree with what you both brought up like it's just it's so tangled and and um we don't have a lot of uh 
you know, determination over our kinks, right? And we, and our fantasies and not all kinks come from trauma and, you know, not all kinks can be shifted. And I think if you have a race play uh, kink and, and you want to try and not have that anymore, then you can tease out what some of the things are in it that you like. If you like helplessness, you like fear, you like, you know, uh, adoration or objectification, like you can put those into a different kinky vessel and, and still experience the same thing. Um, and whenever I've engaged in, in race play uh, from the perspective of being a submissive, it wasn't something I liked, but I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be like objectification that I enjoy and I'm going to be, you know, and it, it was too much for me. But other people go into that space and they love the fact that there is this eroticization of the fear that maybe this person is actually racist. And that's where the risk comes in. It comes in with, oh, okay, well, I have all these boundaries that we set up and this is a container for us doing this, but I could actually be hurt by this or harmed by this. And that's where a lot of the the turn on comes. Um, And then when I've done race play the other way, which I love and like beating up big white men, it makes me feel so much stronger, even as a person outside of my kinky space. And it really has become a way for me to say things and do things that someone has consensually agreed to um, and they're still fetishizing me they're still fetishizing me as like a big black dom or a big brown dom or whatever they're interested in um, but it, it it's benefiting me because we've negotiated that space and we're both aware of our own inter- like really different risks within the same context mm-hmm. something tells me that you have got a lot on your mind right now I mean, hey, it's 2020. Enough said, right? In times of stress or high anxiety, it can be really hard to remember to take some time to focus on yourself. But your joy and your pleasure, they are so important, especially right now. Put your well-being first with Dipsy. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you are right there. And you know, there is something for everyone, no matter whatever, or whoever, or how many ever, ever you're into. Find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger, or getting closer to that, ooh, so juicy yoga instructor, or maybe stories about trying a new toy together, getting tied up and doing all sorts of wild things. And you'll never get bored because Dipsy adds new stories every single week. So spice things up today with Dipsy. For listeners of American Sex Podcast, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny, S-U-N-N-Y. Yet you did hear that right. You get 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash sunny. I believe that performance matters. Of course, I want to use natural products like deodorant, for example. But, you know, if they don't work, that's where I draw the line. They have to do their job and keep me smelling fresh all day. Well, guess what? I actually found one. That's why I recommend all of you check out Native Deodorant. Native never uses ingredients like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. Did you know that aluminum forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating? Yeah. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant, though, doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. And they have over 10 scents. Now, my favorite is the coconut and vanilla, and Ken loves the eucalyptus and mint. Yep, we're a native household. Kind of cute, isn't it? Native is risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping within the U.S., plus free 30-day returns and exchanges. See why so many people love Native by checking out their 14,000 five-star reviews. So do what Ken and I did and make the switch to Native today by going to nativedeo.com slash sunny 
or use the promo code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at checkout to get 20% off your first order. That's native, D-E-O, dot com slash SUNNY, or simply use the promo code SUNNY when you check out and get your 20% off your first order. I have a question for the both of you. One of the alternative forms of, I don't want to call it race play, but it was a racially oriented party where we had all of the BIPOC folks get to choose whether they were a top or a bottom, didn't matter which, but they got to have every one of their fantasies fulfilled. But the other people there, like any of the Caucasians, did not get to be involved with that process unless directed to by a person of color. Is that something that you guys would enjoy or is that fucked up? I would enjoy it. I would enjoy it just because <laughs> number one, it's agency option of choice and having that power uh, where when in the everyday normal world or whatever, uh, I might not be able to exert that power. So I imagine that that would feel good to me. And, you know, um, I've had some white people do some fucked up shit to me. And so, you know, it's a, a, a healing, it would be healing for me just to be like, you know who you are today, you know, <laughs> that's who you are. And I'm going to go ahead and unleash my wrath uh, uh, upon you for this. But um, so, yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about it. But Yeah. And I think also it, depending on what you're, you're playing with, I mean, it, the focus might involve race, but it might not be the thing that you're really into. It wasn't, it yeah. It, there was right? no, I believe that actually chose a racially oriented fantasy. It was more just, I want that person to do this thing. That guy there, he needs to just be there serving me drinks all night long and shut the fuck up. And yes. people were liking that kind of thing. Other people, yeah. I want that woman to top me and not stop until I tell her to stop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about your series. I want to know from your points of view. So it's bi-weekly. You have guests and whatnot. From your points of view, who do you hope the audience is? Is this for everybody? Is it for white people? Is it for people of color? And what do you hope that they get out of these discussions? And last, that's the three-parter. And why are these discussions important right now with everything that's going on? Fuck, that's a lot of to remember. I know. Yeah, go ahead. Go. No, the first part was why are we doing these? Why? Uh, who is it for? So. I'll, I'll ask that one. I'll answer that one first. So who is it for? So this is for everyone. And I think Luna and I, we really went back and forth. We were like, should this be a BIPOC only space? Should this be, you know, an allies and accomplice space? Like what kind of space should this be? Should it be every other week? We have a Bible, you know, we went through all of these different reiterations and what we came up with is, you know, what we finalized with is, Hey, everybody is invited to these individual sessions. And then our last session, which is going to have the panel of our sort of first season of people um, would be a BIPOC only space. So, you know, you know, white folks uh, are, you know, are invited to everything except for our BIPOC only um, session. And so that was really for us, it was really important because we need those exclusive spaces and we need to be able to have those conversations and, uh, you know, uh, process them in, in an exclusive space. And so um I think I'm happy that we came up with that. And, you know, I, I, for me, I am all about, you know, from the beginning, I've always been about inclusion, you know, regardless of who you are, I think we all can learn from each other. We all need to be there for each other. And I, that is something I hold really near and dear to my heart. And so my goal is for, you know, people all people, whether whatever interest we we, we our purpose is to get uh, the intersections of identities in all sorts of ways, right? So whether that's race, whether that's gender, whether that's disability, whether that's you know your sex worker, your pro, like we're trying to get um, the 
the the I guess understandings between uh, of race and kink within all of these different contexts. So with that said, yes, white people need to come, need to learn, need to uh, hear these stories and hear these experiences, and also hear how they can be better um, when it comes to uh, being in kinky spaces and what they can do to to make sure that you know BIPOC folks feel uh, feel welcome and want to come back and play with them, you know, on a humanistic level. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Folks that that attend are also, they don't have to be part of like a kinky community. They don't have to identify as kinksters. They don't have to have a fet life. You know, I think even folks that are just interested in playing with things, but maybe are dating a diversity, a diverse group of people, or they're on dating apps there, but they're bringing their kinks into their, their casual sex or their uh, dating sex. I think it's also really important for them to just come and help uh, unpack. Like, I think we're here as facilitators to help us navigate and give different perspectives to, to that, um, that kink doesn't exist in a vacuum and that I'm a person first and a kinkster second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important for it to happen now because if we had advertised this, you know, like a year ago, we would not have gotten the same kind of reception. Yeah. It would have been like a very taboo topic. And so while racism is is top of mind, I think we got to dig out all the places where, where racism, racism is and it's in our bedroom, it's in our kink, it's in our dungeons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I have a question about where do, because we've been talking a lot about BIPOC folk, which for those who don't know, the acronym is Black Indigenous People of Color. So where do people of color that aren't Black or Indigenous fall in not just the King community, but also your discussion series? I noted one of your guests is Midori. And I can't remember if there was a description or not, but my guess is she's probably going to be talking about like the, you know, um, fetishization and the appropriation of Japanese culture and is what I'm my guess. Right. Am am I, am I psychic? Did I get it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, we, when I talked to Midori, she was like, yes. And the fact that I'm like one of three, like, you know, big, uh, people in this sector is kind of like sh- can shows you that like w- the Asians are like you know it's hard for them to represent like in this in this in this way. So I'm looking forward to um, to to her talk and and all the things. But yeah, we are we are teasing out all of those questions. Yes, I like there's just so much. You can talk for decades. Like you, this yeah. can go for decades and yeah. we'll never be done talking. So those who are listening along who are white, white presenting or, you know, uh, non-black or indigenous people of color, what can they do right now in sex positive and kinky spaces to be better allies or, you know, accomplices. And I think it was Jim Anika who introduced me to the word accomplices, if I'm not. So mm-hmm. I want to give props. I think it was you. And if it wasn't you, you just got props for nothing. But I think it was you. Um, so, <laughs> so what can people, because everybody, everyone's like, I'm an ally. And it's like, really? Jimmy, she says, I can see that it sounds like me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All these people are like, well, of course I'm an ally. And it's like, honey, you got work to do. You're not. You don't get to call yourself an ally. So what what can folks do? Like for real? Yeah, I'm going to put my blog post um, that started this whole discussion between Marla and I, because I was so angry at FetLife. I'm going to drop it in the uh, chat. So it, it really lists a lot of the kind of common areas where we start to see race um, really kind of dehumanized in our kinky spaces. And then it gives folks some ideas on how to start even processing and unpacking this. Because for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, but we're kinky, we're both kinky. And so this is, this should be okay. And we're both equal. And so we're, we're not coming in as just kinky people. Um, so even simple things like opening up that life and just seeing like thin white submissive femme bodies. I mean, like, is there nobody else on pet life? <laughs> like, is there, so like questioning that stuff and stop giving it attention, like things like that to really just say like, who's getting attention, who's getting desire, who's getting attraction, who are the leaders, you know, the race play groups on pet life are also um, led usually by dominant white men. And, and so that's, 
that's not cool. <laughs> like, that's not okay. So we need to start really challenging these places where people have just like staked out their leadership on topics that really don't affect them as much as the people that they're playing with. Mm-hmm. Do you all remember about four or five years ago on FetLife when there was a group of rope enthusiasts that decided that they wanted a new group name, kind of like you have um, a, like a leather family, and they decided to call themselves a rope clan, and that lasted for 32 seconds, not realizing what that meant to all of the Black folks on FetLife. Do either of you recall that? No. It's a terrible it's idea. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's one of those things where, you know, a perfect like, example of what you're talking about, Luna. It's just like, and, and they were like, no, 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 we meant it like an Irish clan. Like, Does it fucking matter, Captain Optics? Really? Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, even stuff like calling, you know, white folks calling themselves tribes, right? Like, I, I think even that, you know, sort of finally hit the fan like last year or whatever, but where, where did us Jews fall into the whole tribe discussion? Do we have <laughs> That's a legit question, by the way. I have no idea. <laughs> no yeah. idea. Yeah. I think I, the tribe thing has left our sex positive community, but you know where I see it in like the white lady let's manifest our success business groups and coaching groups. Marianne like, Williamson. <laughs> well, yeah. um, they're like, come be part of my manifestation tribe. And it's yeah. like, oh, so yes. yeah, we gotta get that yeah. out to the rest of the world. Yeah. And I think we need white kingsters to not get tired. You know, I see a lot of like, I'm an empath, I'm tired. And I'm like, okay, cool. But racism's exhausting. <laughs> like, and and where's your resiliency? You know, it's just like I really I really need white people to be more resilient. You know, like that is what I need personally. Like I need you to like suck up the tears and just like be resilient because that is what we have to go through all the time. Um, <laughs> we just cannot. We can't, we gotta be resilient. You gotta just fucking buck up buttercup and fucking deal with it. Yeah. And um, I, that is, that's, that's what, that's one of my goals is just, like you said, Luna, you can't get tired. I, I, there's never a time where I'm, I cannot not uplift the voices of black folks and BIPOC folks. There's just not a time. Um, and when I'm tired, I, it doesn't matter. Like we have to be resilient. So I need white people to be more resilient. Yep. And, and white folks, we have a couple of different jobs. We have to empathize. We have to always forever for the rest of our lives, keep working at being better. There's never going to be a time when it's going to be perfect. It's like being a parent in a lot of ways. You just keep fucking up and try your best not to fuck up again. You know what? Th- that you said that. I have been thinking lately about like white folks that, you know, we're seeing a lot of right now um, white folks that are like, I'm not racist. I, you know, I have a black friend and (laughs) and they're really being tested with, you know, and it's like, they're, they're now being challenged and it's like, it's fine if you march in that BLM parade, but you see the fucked up shit you're doing right now. And they're just like, "Ah!" And I, I kind of am looking at it like parenting teenagers. Like when I parent my teens, I have to remind myself that it's like, and I am not making a comparison like white people don't have developed brains. So that's not where I'm going. <laughs> but, well, with teenagers, I have to tell myself it's like they don't know. They Their frontal lobe is not developed. They don't have the experience, you know, and it's like, as much as I want to shake them and be like, it doesn't matter that your best friend didn't talk to you for 12 hours and that you have the same dress or, you know, whatever. Stuff that I think is absolutely fucking ridiculous. But to them, it really is the end of the world. So, like, even though I'm just like, I'm like, I want to fuck her. I have, like, with my teens, I have to, like, kind of placate them and meet them where they're, be like, I understand how you're feeling, but 
here's a really nice way of me saying you're being completely illogical cut it the fuck out you know it's like hey what's up i just wanted to jump in because i was thinking about exactly this um yesterday one of the things i'm trying to do as a mixed baby who's white passing um is gently talk to racists and um listen and i've been making a ton more head uh headway not attacking them you know because that's the only oh, yes. right way to convince anyone is to like you know scream and right. punch them in the face but then i'm drained right so what do i do so yesterday I went to a bunch of my white kink friends and I said, Hey, I need some aftercare because I'm sweating. I've been swearing, but I've been like patiently discussing that. And, you know, I haven't let anyone see me crack, but I'm not going to go to my black friends and ask for aftercare after I've been ministering to like a racist, you know what I mean? I'm going to go to my white friends. And so we really do need to like look at the outside of our circle and ask for support there rather than going inwards where we need to be. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that was, just yeah. Cool. I do want to say we're going to have to stop the broadcast, but we're still talking. So don't, don't go, go anywhere. Away. So if you are watching on the simulcast or yeah, you're on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, come on over to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Sunny Get Vocal, which is spelled S-U-N-N-Y G-E-T-V-O-K-L. I, I am about to make a comment. You're going to miss it. So get over here. I want to piggyback Nisha on what I think like us as like mixed folks, like what our role is in all of this and what I think white people have to stop doing. So if you're like, I need to know that, get your fucking ass over here now. Um, right now we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye to the, the broadcast. So Luna and Marla, thank you so much. I'm gonna drop in the comments real quick that all those links that I put in before and the last one is the link to your bi-weekly race and kink discussion series. Before we head out, is there any last, anything you need to tell people about this? Any burning information? Thank you, Adam. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, just check us out, you know, lunamatatas.com, uh, velvetlipsexed.com, and like, you know, go, go to Eventbrite, look up Race and Kink, you know, bi-weekly discussion series. No one's going to be turned away for lack of funds. Like, just really, you know, we really want your support, and we really um, would love to have you in the room and have this conversation with us. So Awesome. And Sex Down South. Yeah, Sex Down South. Yes, Sex Down South. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Luna? Um, no, I just echo Marla. Like, please come and have this important discussion with us. We're going to have a moderator who I think like um, draws on what Nisha was just saying is a white nonsense coordinator. And so, like, space. nice. Oh, that, thank you so, so much, much guys. for the work that you already do and the work you're about to be doing with this series. It is what the world, the kink world and the greater world needs. We love you. Thank you. Simulcaster after partying. So bye recording. Oh, if you're watching the replay, if you're watching the replay and you're like, fuck, I'm I'm gonna miss what they said. Next time join us live so you can be here for the after party. Okay. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.